and to Jesus be the glory, honor, and praise. And today I continue my very important teaching on predestination. By the way, I'm on my way to Kenya the next few days. It's going to be a glorious crusade, a nation healing crusade. The billboards are all over Nairobi, and there's now the beautiful big screen right downtown Nairobi, live uh, from you know past crusades that people can look at. So it's going to be quite an event. Please, please pray for this crusade. I didn't think uh, that I would be you know, holding crusades around the world again at, at, at my age. I thought I paid my dues. But the Lord has opened the door again, and when God says go, you, you, you obey. You go. So, so it's already a very busy year for me, this coming year, I mean. So thank you for being there, praying and supporting. You're the best. You're the greatest people in the world. God's precious people. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray you'll bless your people today with your word, your word. Let it penetrate deep in their hearts and souls in the name of Jesus. And we give you the glory, honor, and praise. And God's people said, Amen. Yesterday, I got so excited, I, 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 I gave a shout. <laughs> because when you teach on predestination, think about this. That God Almighty chose you before the foundation of the world. Declared you holy and blameless before him in love. I mean, to me, it's so amazing when you look at the scriptures in the Bible, which I'm going to show you today, that deal with predestination. Like John 15, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Or you look at John chapter 6. Now, we're going to go back to Ephesians 1 in just a little bit, but I covered it quite a bit, I thought, yesterday. But I want to just remind you, as God's precious saints, how loved you are that God chose you before the foundation of the world to be his people. So in John 6, 44, the Lord said, No man can come to me except the Father, which hath sent me draw him. So I finished the program yesterday by asking you a question. Who found who? Did you find Jesus or did he find you? Did you choose Jesus or did he choose you? Well, the answer is clear. He found you and he chose you. You and I could not have found the Lord even if we tried. Because every one of us, before our salvation, we were in total bondage, in darkness, in miserable darkness. We could not even see our way right. We were dead in spirit. How can anyone who's dead in spirit find God anyways? We were lost, but he found us. He gave us the desire to love him and the love to love him with and the faith to believe. Think that the Holy Spirit came to convict us before even our salvation. He was there convicting us of our need for salvation. I know someone is already asking then why preach the gospel? We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I want you to think don't wait till you're too old to get the whole truth of this or as much as possible of it. You know, I have believed in predestination, I think, all my life, and it began when I was young. Oh, I think the week or two weeks after my salvation is when a man, a Lutheran uh, uh, priest, actually, came to our fellowship. He was, he, he was charismatic, and it was a, called St. Matthew Fellowship, Friday nights, right there on Domus and Shepherd in Toronto, Canada, and all 
kids would sit on the floor, about 20, 30 of us, and some would play a guitar and some with a tambourine, we'd worship Jesus and, and we'd share the word with each other. And, and, and one night they brought this Lutheran pastor or a priest, I should say, and he began talking about predest predestination, which I never heard. I, I was only two weeks in the Lord, two weeks old in, in the Lord. And as he, he began reading Ephesians, everything began, I began shouting and I got so joyful. And he later he said, he said, you pulled it out of me because I could not believe that God would choose us, you know? And then I began to think about how good the Lord is, how loving the Lord is, that he would, he would write our name in the Lamb's book of life before we even knew him because it says, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Wow. And the Lord says here, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me will draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's look quickly also, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to give you some scriptures here. Very clearly pointing to what? Predestination. That we were preordained to be God's children. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, if I shout, let me, okay? Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose, his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Here it is. It's not just Ephesians chapter 1. It's not just Romans 8. It's, it's in 1 Peter, which I gave you yes, yesterday. Well, maybe I'll just should read that again to you. Just a second, I will. Well, you know what? Let me, let me do it now. 1 Peter chapter 1, oh Lord, thank you for this. Chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, which I shared yesterday, but in case somebody missed it, okay? For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with, the, with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation or vain conduct, it says, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. In Revelation 13, it says Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. The question is where? In the heart of God the Father. So when God saw the blood of animals, he did not see the, the blood of animals in the Old Covenant. He saw the blood of Jesus shed already before the foundation of the world. That's what predestination is all about. That Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you and for me. God, who is all-knowing, who knows the end from the beginning, looked down the corridors of history and saw you and saw me, and wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life, and chose us, he set his heart upon us, upon us. Now I'm going to show you some scriptures here that are very powerful that you really need to, to look at. So I just read 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. Let's look at, let's look at Acts 13. In Acts 13 and verse 48, what does it say? Now maybe somebody doesn't know this amazing scripture. It says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life 
believed. Wow. What do you think about that, Jackson? As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. You wonder why your cousins and some of your relatives and friends, they just don't see it. They will fight with you like my uncle did and other family members. When I said, uncle, you need to be saved, he said, from what? I said, well, the Bible says all have sinned. And when I said that, he got so mad at me. He said, don't call me a sinner. I said, well, the Bible calls all of us sinners. And he got really angry. He said, how can God send me to hell when I'm such a good man? I never did anything bad for anyone. He went on and on and on. He just could not see it. He couldn't see it. So there are people you know that have heard the gospel. You might as well be talking to a tree or a, or a, or a wall because they just don't see it, blinded by the devil himself. How come you and me, why you and I saw it? Why did you see it? Why did you accept Jesus and they did not? When they heard the same gospel you did, I have no, I, we have no other answer. Yeah, you say, well, I'm puzzled by it. Well, I was puzzled for many, many years when I was young. I'm not puzzled anymore. Because according to his purpose, he saved us. We were, not, we were not around. Angels were not around. There was no world, no creation, no heaven, no earth, no nothing. And God by himself, in himself, made a covenant. I told you yesterday there, was, there, are, there are seven covenants in the Bible. The first covenant is called the eternal covenant when God the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost met together and planned our salvation. And who would be saved? Because God knew. He's God. He's God, okay? Nothing is an afterthought. <laughs> Nothing caught him by surprise. Salvation was not an afterthought, okay? God was not surprised when Adam fell. It was all already known. Because it says he knows the end from the, from the beginning in Isaiah. So the eternal covenant, then came the, the Adamic covenant based on the eternal. Then came the, for Noah, called the Noahic covenant, based on the eternal. Then came what? The third covenant was Abraham. So actually, eternal, Adam, Noah, and then number four, I should say, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then the, God made a covenant with Israel called the Mosaic. Then God made a covenant with David and then the church. Seven covenants. But every one of them was based on the eternal counsel and covenant of God when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost came into an agreement, into a covenant, I should say. And it's all listed in Ephesians 1 and in Romans 8, which I read to you yesterday. So if you missed yesterday, please go back and watch it because it's all there. Now we are looking at scriptures that confirm it. It says, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. How clear, how clear is that? And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. I know what some are thinking. I know. We'll, I'll, I'll get to that. It says, according, according. Elect, we are elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, so he knew who would be saved. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, 
unto obedience. He's the one who gave you the will and the desire to live for him and obey him. You and I could not have surrendered to Jesus without him giving us the ability and the will to surrender. He, he, it says he gives us the will and the doing of his good pleasure. All right, someone just asked, how about working out our own salvation? You work out your own salvation, it's quite simple. Romans uh, chapter 1 to 5 talks about justification, where God declares you're righteous. Romans 6 and 7 talks about sanctification, where you work out that, you work, in, you grow into that righteousness. It's really a better way to say it. So God declares you're righteous in Romans. It says justified in chapter 5, being justified by faith, okay? Now we're free from the penalty of sin, and now we, be, we, we enter into a, a second phase where we become free from the power of sin or dominion of sin as we become sanctified in the Lord. But sanctification is, is a process, okay? It's like, it's like I, my spirit was saved when I accepted Jesus, but my soul is being saved right now, changing from day to day, from glory to glory into his image. One day my body will be saved when, when, when God raises us up from the dead. So you have the penalty of sin, that is you're free from it at the moment of salvation, then the power of sin that God sets you free from. And then one day we'll be free from the very presence of sin when we stand before the Lord. But working out our salvation means you grow into righteousness by, by cooperating with the Lord. So I don't believe in predetermination. I believe in predestination, meaning that I have a responsibility still to walk with God, to receive his word, to pray and commune with him and fellowship and worship him. To, 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 to fellowship with God's people that strengthens all of us. We, we cannot neglect our duty. Look, just because God predestined somebody, if he keeps going to the, to the areas where temptations are, eventually they're, they're going to grab him and he'll be conformed back to the world. So, yeah, I believe in balance. I believe it's possible to lose it all. Because why would it say, be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed? Because it's possible to go back. But God still chose us. God still declared us blameless before the foundation of the world. But we still are responsible before God to live the life. That's what I believe. And this is where the human will is. But it doesn't change the fact, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, now let's look at other amazing portions here in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Very, very powerful verse here. It says, hallelujah. Okay, let me read it to you. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, to, towards us, not willing that any should perish. Now, some people use this to say, well, say, so it says he's not willing that any should perish. Stop, stop, stop. Towards us, 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 us. He just finished saying us word. He's long-suffering to us word, not willing that any of us should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's not talking about the sinners who are totally blind and can't even see where they're going and have rejected the gospel. And God saw them rejecting the gospel before the foundation of the world. That's why their names are not written in the book of life. 
Look, there's two sides to this, okay? But the older you get, I'm 71, okay? But the older you get, you start thinking about this. Because you start to think about the people that you know personally who just did not accept the message of salvation and thought you and I are crazy to believe it. Family members. I have preached to more people than most, I think. I began preaching when I was 21. I'm 71 today. I've had crusades throughout the world. In India alone, seven million people in three days. So I've, I've been there. And I can tell you, I have seen many people come to the altar and cry and weep and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, come into my heart. And yet I've, I've known many who just walked out. You know, the Lord talked about the seed that fell on four different grounds, on the side where the birds came and picked it up and so on, and then the other that there was no depth, and so it dried up and no life came, and then the ones that were choked by the cares of this life, but that fourth group made it. That's what I think. I believe there are people today who are chosen to be in the family, because God saw, God saw them choosing him. God saw them, I should say, say yes to him, because he chose us. So God saw that they said yes to the gospel. I'm still, I'm still uh, discovering it. I'm not there yet. Maybe, maybe I'll never get the full answer of predestination. But I think it gives me more answers than, 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 than the other side. Because the other side would, would cause more questions in my mind. The, the why, the why, the why. 4,000 years before the cross, 4,000 years passed before the Lord came and died on a cross. What happened to all those people who lived and died? How did they hear the gospel? There's a lot of questions that we cannot answer. And, and we'll never come to the full answers of every one of them. For God to love the world, did he love Amalek? Or the Philistine? the ancient Egyptians who were destroyed, most of them, or all the ites, the Moabites and Adamites and all the rest. Many questions are not answered, even to me at this point. But when you get old, when you get older, I should say, you start thinking like I'm thinking about this. And then you kind of come to, to a place where it gives you comfort and peace, where you say, okay, God chose us. We could not have chosen him if we even tried. He saved us. We could not have saved ourselves. He found us. We didn't find him. He keeps us. We cannot keep ourselves. And then finally you come to that place where you say, I'll just have to trust the Lord on the rest that I can't figure out. But there are enough scriptures on this that are quite powerful. For example, Let's, let's look at something else. And, and, and this one I've read so many times, and it, you know, I never really thought about this till uh, just a few years ago. Because sometimes you read the Bible and you just keep going, you know, you, you, you don't stop, you don't stop and think. But now I'm at the place I stop and I think. In Acts 18, verse 9, it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision, Be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace. Now, he came to a place called Corinth. 
For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. And then he said this, for I have much people in the city. Stop, stop. He says, you don't be afraid. You speak, don't hold your peace. I'm with you. No, nobody's going to be able to hurt you. I have much people in the city. That there were people there that God already had, had ordained for salvation. Um, how about John 17? How about John 17? And and you sometimes read this. Some of you maybe have read it and didn't you know stop to think about it. But I'm at the place now. I just think about all this. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Why? Why did Jesus say that? I pray for them. I'm not going to pray for the world. I pray for them which thou hast given me. <gasps> I pray for them. Almost once, you know, you, you almost want to want to cry. I pray for those who you've given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and mine and thine are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. And you read this, I'm just reading here portions of John 17, or verse 12. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost. Ah. <sighs> There are many other scriptures I could share with you. I don't know that some can handle all of it, but it's throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible. Yes, I believe in will, free will. We all have free will. It's God who gave us the ability to even say yes to him. It's God who gave us the faith to believe in him. I think it goes back to Believing that or believing in. A lot of people believe that, that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus shed his blood, that Jesus rose. So does the devil. But how many believe in? In Jesus means trust the Lord. Give him your life. Trust him with your soul to keep. Trust him with your destiny. Complete surrender to Jesus. The cross before me and the world behind me and no turning back. We make that decision with his help and his ability in us. Like David Duplessis years ago, a great man of God. They used to call him Mr. Pentecost. He was from South Africa. I had the privilege to meet him and know him for a short time in, in, in my young life because he passed away later. And I was walking with him one time in Brockville, Ontario. I was asked by Marty Phillips who worked for, for, with Miss Kuhlman, Catherine Kuhlman. And she said, would you, would you walk him to his room? And I said, wow, what a pleasure. And I'm thinking this is my moment to ask the biggest question I could ask him. And I said, Mr. Pentecost, that's what we all called him. How can I please God? And he, points, he puts his finger in my chest and pushes me to the wall in that hallway. And he said, don't try. It's not your ability. It's God's ability. You. I stood there at that wall wondering what he meant. I was 
19, I was 20 years old, something. No, no, sorry, sorry. I was already in the ministry. I was 22, 23. I'm thinking to myself, what did he say? <laughs> I'm 71 now, I got, and, and finally I got it years, you know, years ago. What, what he meant is, don't try. Let him live his life through you and in you. You and I can't live the, the Christian life. Only Jesus can. We just simply yield our vessel. And I've said it, and I'll say it again. The headline of the Christian life is not try or try harder. It's yield. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness. It's about yielding. It's about surrender. Jesus said, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Simple, isn't it? Lord, thank you for your blessed word. Thank you for your love and thank you for your grace. Give us eyes to see and hearts to understand even more. Enlighten us, Lord. Enlighten us for your glory. Hallelujah. When you read Ephesians 1, then you come to this prayer where Paul prays that God will show you what is the hope of his calling in you and the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Because he just told us we're chosen and blame, declared blameless and holy before him in love and all the blessed promises of Ephesians 1. And then he says, I pray God will give you the understanding that he will enlighten you to understand the hope of his calling and the inheritance that he's given you. Wow. Wow. To God be the praise, all we can say. One of these days we'll understand it all. Listen, they are translating now these teachings that I'm doing daily in different languages. I want to show you what they've done. We're starting with 12 languages. We're going to end up with 31 languages. Now watch the way they're doing it. It's a new technology. Watch this. I'll come right back. It's quite amazing. I'm teaching today on the blood of God. One of the most important teachings any one of us can bring to you. Una vez que comprendamos la sangre derramada de Jesús en la cruz, es importante recordar que Dios Todopoderoso et a versé son sang sur la croix du calvaire. Essa verdade tem um significado profundo e deve ser sempre lembrada. ホサラバプトス。やえびメリア、エファーモステトスノムストセウ。イプリソラデニネティヒ、アラポテレスマイパコイス。シンガンジュイショウヨムトキワ、スグニイキマショ。私はあなたの信仰を助くつもりです。信
забывать об этом важном учении и его значении. Бог создал Абрагам Риф. Gott führte Israel aus Ägypten. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> Here I am speaking in, in Spanish and in Portuguese and in French and Arabic and Russian and Mandarin and Hindi and all the German and on and on Swedish. And my lips are moving with the words. Amazing, huh? Well, we're already on it. Within a very, very short time, And we're going to launch, by the way, uh, in, in, in those countries. So we're going to have a, a new page, Facebook and all the rest, in all those countries. And, and the limit right now, from what I understand now, it's probably going to increase. It's 31 we can begin with. So we're we are working on 12 languages right now. So help me financially to pay for it. It's tw uh, sorry, $2 a minute for the translation. It's really not a lot of money. It really comes to $60 for every half hour in each language, in each language. So we, we want to go up to 31 languages. It's a new technology. It's an amazing day we're living in. So let's do it for the Lord. Let's do it for the Lord. Hallelujah. And by the way, you, you, some of you that understand those languages, I'm, we already had people check them out. They said, yep, it's, you say it just right in Spanish and French and all of them. So it's quite a remarkable day. You can give uh, on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihin.org, or simply text BHM45777. Tomorrow, another marvelous teaching. Much love to all of you. And remember, you're very special. The elect of God. I'll see you again. Bye-bye.